Let's have God's word open us up to the Gospel of John. We'll be in the first chapter, verses 29 to 34. John chapter 1, verses 29 to 34. And when you're there, I'll ask that you rise for the reading of God's word. John chapter 1, verse 29 to 34. Now this is the word of the Lord. The next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks before me, because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but for this purpose I came baptizing with water that he might be revealed to Israel. And John bore witness. I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and have borne witness that this is the Son of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. I don't know about you guys, but I will confess to you that lately it's been rather difficult to not simply go through the motions. And on the other side, difficult not to simply try to muster up a false desire or sense of holiness. And perhaps many of you guys find yourselves in that state as we've gathered here, knowing that Good Friday, knowing that Easter is a big deal, yet feeling somewhat detached from that. And the only remedy for that, friends, brothers, and sisters, is that we pray and ask the Lord to soften our hearts, open our eyes to Christ, and move in our life once more. So before we hear the preaching of God's word, having heard God's word read, let's, let's join together briefly for a prayer. God, we've gathered here this evening to worship, to sing songs of praise, to come and repent together because, Lord, we realize that we have gone astray. And at the same time, Lord, we confess, although we know this in our minds, to some degree our hearts are often so detached, and particularly in this time, given all the things that have been going on, Lord, Though we desire to feel your presence, though we desire to hear your word, though we desire to see Christ, there is also another desire that wants to be filled with other things. So we ask, Lord, as we have gathered to worship, that you would be magnified, that your word would be spoken, that you would show us more of Christ, that we would see Christ more clearly in the scriptures, but also in our lives, Lord. So have your way in us. Would your Holy Spirit counsel us, move us, correct us, teach us, and make us more like Christ as we fix our eyes on Christ this evening. We pray this in your Son's name. Amen. How deep the Father's love for us, how vast beyond all measure, that he should give his only Son to make a wretch his treasure. How great the pain of searing loss, the Father turns his face away. As wounds which mar the chosen one bring many sons to glory. 
We sing about Jesus. We sing about the cross. We sing about the church and the good works that the Lord has done throughout history of redemption in our lives. And today, this evening, as we gather to worship, we, we focus on and we fix our eyes once more on Christ and the cross that he bore for us. Tonight, as we gather to worship, we focus our attention on this one particular verse that we've read tonight in verse 29, that the Lamb of God came to take away our sin. So we'll ask two simple questions this evening. First, what is the Lamb? And two, who is the Lamb? What is the Lamb and who is the Lamb? So as we ponder the first question, what is the Lamb? We can go all the way back into Genesis as we revisit our friends Abraham and Isaac. Abraham, at a very old age, was blessed with a son whose name was Isaac. Abraham waited his whole life for a son. All he ever wanted was a son. And at a hundred years old, his wife Sarah finally bore him a precious son. After some time, we find out that the Lord, to test him, asks Abraham to go and to sacrifice his one and only son, Isaac. So Abraham and Isaac travel to the mountain, and as they're on their way, as perceptive as Isaac is, turns to his father Abraham and says, we have fire, we have wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And I don't know what must have been going through the mind of this father, but he replies with faith, God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. Now, there are a lot of things we can get tangled up with here as we consider what's in front of us, but I want us to focus in on actually what has been tangled up in the thicket behind Abraham in this moment as he and his son go up to the mountain to make sacrifice for sin. Just as he is about to give him to the Lord, God stops him. And as Abraham sees behind him, stuck there in the thicket, a ram, a male lamb there provided by God to take the place of Isaac so that a burnt offering would be made and his son would be spared. Look here in Genesis twenty-two thirteen with me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of the son. You can imagine for the entirety of their lives, Abraham and Isaac and Sarah will remember the day when the Lord has provided for them a ram, a substitute, a sacrifice. And you can imagine all who have heard this testimony would know and be able to testify to the very fact that God himself gave the needed sacrifice and substitute through this lamb. The lamb would take Isaac's place. The lamb would be the sacrifice for sin. Then as we fast forward a little bit, we see that the ex during in the book of Exodus, that the Israelites, as they're under the oppression in Egypt, find themselves here as Moses and Aaron go in obedience 
to free the people, yet Pharaoh refuses time and time again to let God's people go, and thus incurring judgment on himself and the land of Egypt through plagues. And if you recall, the last plague is the most devastating of them all. All the firstborn in the land of Egypt would die. But we're told all who trust in the Lord would live. And the question is raised, how will that be possible? If we look in Exodus 12 here together, we'll see that this is how they are instructed. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male, a year old. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats. Then they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and the lentils of the houses in which they eat it. The blood shall be a sign for you on the house where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. Again, we see here that the lamb is the sacrifice once more, used as a substitute to save the firstborn of all who believe in the Lord. Not just the firstborn of Abraham, but the firstborn of all God's people. The blood of the lamb covered over the household on the doorpost were there to protect and to cover over and to shield as it is sacrificed and shed to satisfy sin. We see in greater ways what the lamb represents for sinful people here as we progress from just simply a father and son and now to a whole people of God. So if, we're, so if the children were to ever ask, what is the lamb for? Why are we doing this? This is crazy. This is weird. And they would learn throughout the generations that the blood of the lamb is what has saved their people, their firstborn. And as we move further along in the Old Testament scriptures, some of you may recall as we went through our series in Leviticus, that on the Day of Atonement, the priest would take two goats. One would be a sacrifice as a sin offering, but with the other, the priest would lay his hand upon the head of the goat and press upon it, press upon it in such a way as to symbolize and as to almost transfer the sin and the guilt of the people on to this goat, this sacrifice. And the priest as he's doing his Levitical duties, would press upon and pour out the sins of the people upon this goat. And then they would cast this goat out into the wilderness. So if you look with me again in Leviticus 16, this is what we're told of this account. And Aaron shall lay both his hands on the head of the live goat and confess over it all the iniquities of the people of Israel and all their transgressions, all their sins. And he shall put them on the head of the goat and send it away into the wilderness by the hand of a man who is in readiness. The goat shall bear all their iniquities on itself to a remote area and he shall let the goat go free in the wilderness. So what is the lamb? 
What is the lamb? Simply put, the lamb is a substitutionary sacrifice for sin. A lamb could not only atone for the sins of a few, but the many, and even greater still, as we see it through Abraham and Isaac during the Passover, and even the people of Israel in the wilderness through the priests of the Levitical order. The lamb, all throughout Scripture, pointed to this blood that can atone this brokenness, this sacrifice that can offer forgiveness. But who was the Lamb of God who takes the place of Abraham's one and only son on that altar on the mountain? Who was the Lamb of God that shed his blood to cover over his people during the Passover to save the firstborn of God's people? Who is the Lamb of God that was laid on him the iniquities of all the people and then driven out into the wilderness to atone for the sins of God's people? Who is the Lamb? Who is the Lamb? Well, if we hear the prophet Isaiah, we know that there is one who is called the Man of Sorrows, the Lamb of God. In Isaiah 53, this is what he says. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. Why? Because all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. We're told here that the Lamb of God bore our griefs, bore our, and carried our sorrows. He was afflicted, he was pierced. For our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. He was chastised and wounded. Why? Because we, all like sheep, have gone astray and turned, every single one of us, to his own ways. So we see the Lord here lays upon him the iniquity of us all, that all who look to him may be forgiven. This was done on the cross where the perfect, spotless, substitutionary sacrifice broke his body and shed his blood for the sins of the world. The blood of the lamb that was spilled on the altar, sprinkled on their doorposts, the one who bore all the sins and then was cast into the wilderness. This lamb of God is none other than Jesus the Christ whom we worship. So we see in our verse today that John the Baptist cries out in the beginning as he sees Jesus. He says, Behold, the Lamb of God. This wasn't just some title. This wasn't just some address. This wasn't just some identifier. This had a deep meaning for all those who recognize that they are sinful and in need of a Savior. That when John the Baptist saw Jesus, he cried out, Behold, this is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. So that as you and I will look upon Jesus, we can cry out, Behold, this is the Lamb of God who takes away my sins. 
John the Baptist at the end of our text says, I have seen and borne witness that this is the Son of God. That the Son of God, that the one and only Son of God comes as the perfect, spotless, substitutionary Lamb of God so that He can take away the sins of the world so that forgiveness can be received so that we can be restored with God. But if we're honest with ourselves, each one of us, we would admit that we are often so fixated on our own comforts, our pleasures and desires, and if at all possible, we would numb ourselves and escape and fill our lives and our hearts with temporary things rather than to have a deep, meaningful, eternal relationship with the God who created us. This is because we are sinful. Brothers and sisters, as we've gathered to worship, as we've gathered to take communion, as we've gathered to fix our eyes on Christ, we can't simply go through the motions and, yes, we're sinful, but, Lord willing, we would not only be refreshed and fall afresh once more the beauty and the glory of Jesus as he has given himself to us, but also the wretchedness, the brokenness, the heaviness of our sins. This is because, if we're honest with ourselves, as much as we want to believe, we continue to sin We continue to fill ourselves, and if we're honest, we would rather have gold and silver. We would rather have houses and land than be led by Jesus' nail-pierced hands. Yet tonight, if you're able to see that your sins can only leave you more empty and more dry, if tonight you indeed recognize beyond emotions and beyond just simple sense of guilt, but as, as, as you look upon the Lamb of God who has come to take away your sins, then you can come and I have good news for you that this Lamb of God, this Son of God, indeed came for you. That He died, that He hung, and then He paid all of your sins so that you would be brought into the household of God, covered over by his blood, and be called a precious child of God. What a simple and beautiful and powerful message, but how often does it fall flat in our hearts? How often is it that our hearts are filled with so many other things that this wonderful and life-giving message often falls Brothers and sisters, as we continue in our worship, as we have prayed together in repentance, I'd like us to continue in that prayer, continue in that repentance, continue in fixing our eyes on Christ and seeing the Lamb of God, knowing that he loved us, that he gave his life for us. And as we come and worship, that the hope lies in that a few days' time we can celebrate the eternal life that is given through this sacrifice. Behold the man upon a cross, my sin upon his shoulder. A 
Ashamed I hear my mocking voice call out among the scoffers. It was my sin that held him there until it was accomplished. His dying breath has bought me life. I know that it is finished. Will you join me in prayer now as we continue in repentance and continue in trusting in our Lord Jesus?